Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover. Brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson, and it is Season 2, Episode 3. This is our very first artist interview, and I'm really excited about it because we've been focusing a lot on people who have been in the music industry and their knowledge. Well, the guest that we have on the show today has the best of both worlds. Kara Being Blue, or Kara Littman, is one of the most respected blues musicians in Nashville because she is the queen of the pro blues jam. And what that means is this. A few years ago, she established a a jam session for blues musicians to meet each other and network and potentially get, you know, new gigs and maybe even session work or go on tours. So it just kind of snowballed into this beautiful thing where new musicians can come in, meet and network with the people who've been working here for a while, and then even potentially hop on you know, some bigger tours. So for for people who had been coming to Kara's Blues Jam for a couple of years, all of a sudden she's seeing them go do these massive lavish tours. And we talk about our friend Kieran that um, that you guys will hear about later. But he's kind of like, you know, he's a fantastic Cinderella story about, you know, meeting the right musicians at Kara's Jam. And then all of a sudden he ends up on a tour with John Legend. And this is a true story, I promise you. So before we get into the whole interview, you need to listen to some of Kara's music. A few years ago, she released an album called Grit that did really, really well on the blues charts. And I absolutely love the song that she sent for me to play for you. It's called Crocodile Man. And it is awesome. So not only is she the blues jam queen, but this woman's got some soul. So here's Kara being blue and Crocodile Man. He don't play by the rules of the game, but he's gonna win it just the same. lovely guest today is none other than Kara Being Blue herself, Miss Kara Lippman. How are you? I'm good, Katie. It's great to be on with you. I'm so glad to have you here. It's it's an honor and a privilege. So thank you so much for taking the time. I know, I know you're a busy lady, so I appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, Kara, you know, obviously you're very big in the blue scene in Nashville, but I would really like to hear a bit about your origin story back in Boston. If you could just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I apparently when I was three plunked out the blue Danube on a kid toy piano and my family was like, (laughs) (laughs) they didn't even know I'd heard that song before. I probably heard it on a cartoon or something. So Um, My family's not terribly musical. They like music, you know, Um, but my first concert was to my stuffed animals to practicing our, I think it was kindergarten stray cat strut performance. And I just loved the idea of a crowd watching me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and um, uh, I... Gosh, just all the memories are flooding. Um, uh, You know, doing... um, choir in in church and you know getting um solos in high school musical theater you know all of that and uh, I, I just loved it and I went off to college to study theater and um I tried to get involved with an acapella group then I tried to start my own acapella group because we had had one in high school um it didn't <laughs> go over very well it seems like 
when you get older, you know, you realize that these opportunities are more difficult than you thought. It's not it's not just handed to you. You have to work. So, um, but I failed music theory in college. Like I'm, I don't consider myself a musician. I'm, I'm a vocalist. So, um, you know, even though I was, you know, a master of piano when I was three, that did not continue. I don't know if it's because I'm a lefty, but I can type 90 words a minute, but I can't master a keyboard. <laughs> Played a little bit of acoustic guitar. I have this like giant lefty Ibanez that's like, you know, in my laundry room right now. <laughs> I used to, you know, I would make up chords, you know, I would actually use a reverse chord finder to figure out what chord I was playing so I could write it down and remember it later. Nice. (laughs) So I self-taught and, you know, it would often say chord not found. So I would just call (laughs) out a chord. I'm like, these are the notes and this is the, yeah. So, um, you know, not terribly talented that way, but, you know, perpetually singing Whitney Houston into my hairbrush and and stuff like that, inspired by those people. Um, But I never thought, you know, someone would pay me or I would, you know, go on a tour or have a CD or have my music on the radio. You know, that was always something that everyone else did. And that was, that wasn't for me. Um, And it wasn't really, I mean, my parents went to all my shows, but it's something they wanted to support professionally. So I studied theater and they're like, you need something to fall back on, which, you know, I guess, fast forward to, you know, 2020, the pandemic, nobody can perform. So those of us who had something to fall back on (laughs) were still employed. So, um, you know, thankful for the the work ethic that I learned from it. Um, And uh, so I finished up my college career at Boston University and I was going to a little Methodist church and my culturally Jewish dad came to church with me and had gone on this Christian course, learning about the basic tenets of Christianity and he fell in love with it. And he played bongos in the in the worship band with me. So that was sort of like the extent circling back to the music career of my family. But at the same time, um, the guys in the worship team were learning blues from one of the other members of the worship team. He played um, guitar. And so my bass player and my guitar player were learning some blues. And they came to me one day and they were like, do you sing blues? And I was like, I do now. Because <laughs> in college, I had gone to the University of New Hampshire to start out, and um, I was listening to the Stones because I'm trying to be cool, you know. I don't really, sure. I don't really know the Stones, but I'm listening to them because you know, through the wall, it makes me sound cool. So <laughs> the kid next door, this kid Drew, I'll never forget him. He was like, he was such a huge druggie. He once actually got lost for two weeks. We literally he he went MIA and apparently he'd like had some acid OD and was <laughs> in some hippie guy's van for two weeks recovering his brain. Like it was so weird. So oh my Drew god! <laughs> said, "Hey, do you know how the Stones got their name?" And I was like, "No." And he's like come on come over so I went next door and he played me Muddy Waters and I was like oh my god like where has this music been my whole life this is like this has lived here in my heart forever and I oh my gosh you know it's the Muddy was my first taste of the blues in college and you know from then it was um you know Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and Nina Simone and just fell in love with those artists so um I, my, the guys were like, we're doing a show, fast forward to the worship team blues band. They're like, we're doing a show for Father's Day. Will you sing some blues? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> so a, a lady went to our church. Her name was Shirley Lewis. And she was, she was different. She was a little different. Um, she was older. And the way I met her was she, uh, she sang in the choir with me. And then one day in the fellowship hall downstairs, she slides this book of who's who and blues across the table and she's in there she's like you want to know who I am this is who I am (laughs) no context I'm like okay cool (laughs) but she she was like she was the only one in this very conservative New England town to like feel the Holy Spirit in church I mean she had soul um so Shirley was sort of like my early mentor. So I did this little show with these worship team guys. And we just became like the Dana Farber house band. <laughs> we played like 
um, my department's Christmas party and we would like play in the lobby and, you know, we did some Christmas stuff at Christmas time and, you know, anything they wanted, they, you know, they'd hire us for a couple hundred bucks and we'd you know, go and do our music and stuff. And we would play some block parties. Um, you know, we, we just kind of like, you know, we had a few gigs here and there. I think we, I think we actually got paid better in Boston as a fledgling band than I've ever gotten paid here in Nashville as a professional. Uh, yeah. A, a difference, a difference in, uh, you know, the, the pay scale. So um, right. through that, I met, um, uh, and actually I'd put, to, we'd put together a benefit for, um, they have a, an, an, an annual race where they raise money for Dana-Farber. And so uh, Shirley and I did a blues band like show together and I was on the stage with her and we were singing I'll take you there and she just started improvising and I was like wow quiet girls can't improvise <laughs> she's scatting and you know doing a call and response and I'm like uh-huh uh-huh and she <laughs> looks at me and she's like you got soul and I'm like I do <laughs> you think I got soul she's like I know you got soul. And I was like, I got soul, you got soul, I got soul. And all of a sudden, like, this thing erupted out of me that had been, like, waiting to be let loose for, you know, 30-odd years. And I, I, she, like, birthed this soul in me. And I just was, you know, it was, she gave me permission to emote with my voice, which was just a, such a gift. And, um... So I, you know, carried that to my performances, but my, I met the like, smartest lady I've ever met in my life. She had like three PhDs. She was like a nursing research scientist doctor. She was like PhD, PhD, PhD. Wow. She was so smart. And I was giving her stepdaughter um, some basic singing lessons with a very minimal piano. I could plunk out just some notes just warm-ups and I, I, you know, I asked her to pick a song and, you know, we kind of worked on her technique and I had taken some lessons from my singing teacher and I had taken some lessons from a professional when I was a teacher for a little while. And, um, you know, she said to me one day, she was like, Kara, why aren't you in, in like LA or New York or Nashville doing music? What are you doing here as a secretary in a cancer center? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not good enough. Are you kidding? And she was like, no, seriously, you're good enough. She's like, you need to go and, and I will pay. And I was like, wow. I never, I never had anybody believe in me like that. I didn't believe in me like that. No, I just, I found myself pacing this box. I paid more money, wasn't meeting anyone, couldn't do more music. It was all just not it was a it was a decent life I had a great friends and a church community and I felt connected but like it just I wasn't going anywhere I just didn't see that I had a future or or hope and so I was like you know well what if you know what if I moved I know New York was overwhelming to me LA like I just I'm I'm way too real for LA yeah (laughs) And my best friend from high school moved and started a just eating disorders. Um, but I thought, you know, well, what about Nashville? I mean, there's Christian music there. That's sort of like what I was into at the time. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll meet Michael W. Smith and, you know, at the Starbucks in Franklin. And you know, so I got an apartment in Franklin, like it was all good to go. And, and I told my parents, you know, and I was like, you know, at least if I can just, I know how to move to a new city because I'd done that several times in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And if I can just at least recreate what I have here, I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. At least it'll be warmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day I can afford a house and, and I'll be, you know, I didn't really move here to, to, to do music just to at least be around it. I thought, you know, well, at least I'll learn and I'll, I'll have access to high quality music all the time yeah and of course when you're around it you do it so um that was that was the start of something beautiful and I got here sight unseen you know I never I never been even visited (laughs) my dad just dropped me off and was like (laughs) see you bye (laughs) 
Wow. What an amazing story, though. And I mean, like the moment that you're describing, you know, being on that stage with her and she just looking at you going, here's your moment. I'm handing it to you, you know? Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God. And I was terrified. Terrified. (laughs) You know, because I I was taught technique and I was taught I was I lived in a proper home where, you know, outward appearance was everything. And right. You know, for me to like lose control, you know, on stage was just like, you know, outlandish. It wasn't something that I was trained to do. It was just sort of like Shirley just like birthed it in me. (laughs) So I'm grateful to her. We lost her, I think about four or five years ago. And I know she would be very proud of, of what I've done so far. Well, so let's talk about what you've done, uh, being reigning, reigning jam queen, blues jam queen in Nashville. So, uh, I've, I've been to your, to your pro blues jam just to watch and I I've played once. Um, but I just, I have to tell you, it was like, just, just going to watch your pro blues jam was incredible because there's so many amazing musicians that come to play oh, yeah. with you or just, you know, on the stage. But so talk about how you started the, the pro blues jam. How did that come to be? So originally when I got here, I was like, crickets, like, I don't know what to do. And um, I went to a, a songwriters meetup because meetup.com had just started and I went to a Red Sox meetup at a Boston <laughs> bar and, you know, I went to a songwriter's potluck figuring like, I don't know, I guess I could write some songs. I don't know. I mean, I kind of do poetry. I don't know. Then I met some nice people and I went a couple times and I met some girls and I was doing backup vocals in their band. And then uh, I went through a bunch of personal tragedies, um, 2010, 10 and 11. And uh, I write, I wrote like a crap ton of songs through that period. And I gave them to this band and I was like, I would like to do some of my music. And they were like, no, this, this, this band is a vehicle for our music. And I was like, oh, so I've been basically singing for free, composing your third part harmonies for three years. Do any of my songs. Okay. So, <laughs> um, that was sort of. That was wow. the next tragedy on the list in 2012. Um, so really through the end of 2012, I just sat on my couch and played video games on my phone and that was it. And come New Year's Eve 2013, um, I was like, all right, enough is enough. I didn't move here for this. Like, I got to figure something out. Right. And I said, I mean, I made a New Year's resolution to get out more. I, I told myself, you have to say yes to everything. You don't have a choice. You're going out. I don't care if it sucks. You're going to go. So um, some friends of mine in the songwriting community, um, they said they had a show on January 3rd at 3rd and Lindsley. I'd never been there. Didn't even, I didn't know anything about it. I went and they weren't playing. (laughs) It was like some other band. And I was like, well... I'm here. And it wound up being Cree Harrison. And Cree had been like number two on American Idol that year. And that bitch ripped that stage to shreds. She was like, she tore that shit up. And I was like, (gasps) you know, like, and I was like, I want to do that. And so she really, she really inspired me. I actually wrote that on Instagram once and she commented, she was like, and yes, like, you go, girl. You made me. You made me go, girl. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always great when you can thank your idols or your mentors. So, but she yeah. had no idea that she'd done that for me just by doing what she does. Um, and so uh, I posted a picture, and this was the picture I reposted that she commented. I said, uh, "Oh my gosh, there's blues in Nashville." Like I didn't even know there was blues in Nashville at all. I just thought it was country music and Christian music. And I didn't know how to, you know, I, I don't I like country music. I'm like, I'm an imbecile. I don't know what the first thing about country music. Right. Um, I just know that like Keith Urban has been the like 
you know, bane of my traffic existence for many years. <laughs> like, I really don't know anything about it. And I don't have a twang at all. You know, I'm lucky I don't have a Boston accent. My father has the wicked strong Boston accent. I can do it for you. I but, love um, it. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, Christian music was like, it, it was just coming out of the 90s. And it was like, you know, it was the same people winning the same awards. And you had to look like this. And you had to be, you know, 16 years old with this crazy ass voice and I was like man I think I missed my window on that one so but I thought you know blues is a little more forgiving and so anyway my my metro councilman who is my friend Jeff Syracuse was like he commented on my picture it was funny how we became friends I was in this Facebook group called Hip Donaldson it was this brand new community page now it's like a gigantic um the guy that started it Frank actually uh passed away and we we loved Frank but um they had this make a friend day and I just I saw this guy posting all the time so I was like I'll be friends with this dude so I added Jeff as a friend so this guy who is now my metro councilman um and a dear old friend um said uh hey you know we we jam blues at Bourbon Street every Monday you should come down and I had actually somebody in the songwriting community they had told me that there was blues jams and I you know I was focused elsewhere I had this band it didn't really occur to me and I was like yes because I, I have to say yes I was like yes I'll go so I went the first that first week at January 17th I think and uh, I saw Andy T and Nick Nixon playing and I was just like <laughs> you know just like oh, wow like I like I now haven't done blues for five years like I need to pull out my blues chops and people were like come on here come sing something I'm like maybe next week (laughs) you know I don't remember any songs you know I like have to you know and I was so used to having my own band (laughs) that it was the same guys I didn't know my keys like I I didn't know anything you know I was like you know music theory failure I had no idea and so I came back the next week I got up on debut, you know, it was like such a big deal. You know, now it's like Barber Street. Like, I don't even want a gig there. <laughs> Back in the day, it was like this big intimidating thing, like playing a bar in Nashville. <laughs> Meanwhile, quick segue, my first singing experience on Broadway, my friend brought me to see her bluegrass band, her friend's bluegrass band. And they called me on stage at Tootsie's. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> the first song I ever sang was that Tootsie's, and it was Stand By Your Man. Was, that was the only kind of country song I knew. It was funny. I think there was a YouTube video of it up for a very long time. I don't know if it's there anymore, but anyway. Um, so I, I got up and I did my blue songs, and everybody was cheering. And the president of the Blue Society, they were the sponsors of the event, she calls me down and she was like, Come sit with me. I'm going to buy you a drink, girl. You're great. And I'm like, okay like only in Nashville can you play a bar where like Bonnie Raitt played and have the president of the Blue Society buy you a drink like right. really I was so bowled over and like the whole community was just like come here they just were so welcoming and I was like wow because there weren't a lot of women doing it right like uh, I just kept going and you know making new friends and and meeting people and finding out about other jams and going to those jams and and I just people would invite me to their shows I would go to their shows they would ask me to sit in and I would sit in and then all of a sudden I knew enough players where I could put together my own band and I started writing some tunes and all of a sudden I have a five song EP out I'll never forget (laughs) I had been following some blues DJs on Twitter, just kind of like trying to number because I found this is the, the key to my success. It's a big secret. 
If you're listening, this is how to do it. <laughs> I would take pictures at other people's shows and at jams and I would tag them and their fans would become my fans. And the network slowly expanded. So at my jam, I do a crap ton of social media and tagging people because it expands the network. I mean, I have almost right. 5,000 friends on Facebook. And I don't know half of them. I don't <laughs> even know a third of them. Like, who are you people? They're like, you know, <laughs> friends of other people. They're other blues people from other towns and cities and across the world. And so, so yeah, so um, eventually I had my own people to do my own um, shows. So expanded the network and um, picked up some players and did my first show at the Smokehouse, which is now Twin Kegs. And um, all of a sudden I had these, I've recorded five songs on an EP. And I, I had expanded my network on Twitter by following some blues DJs. And there was this one really irreverent uh, blues podcast out of Florida. And I sent them my music and these guys, <laughs> these guys like, it was F-bomb all the time. I and mean, they were so crass and rude. But I, I just, I liked them. And I'll never forget, they were like, we're going to play one of your songs. I was like, <laughs> So I'll never forget them to Bourbon Street, which was just across the street from where I was working. And I... Tom Brady riding a bike through Printer's Alley. And I was like, I think chin cleft and everything. I was like, I think I just saw time. It's so random. But <laughs> cemented in my mind, you know, I wish I could have been like, Tom, I'm on the radio. <laughs> no, but, uh, and they, 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 they were so funny. They, they were like, they were like, is her name Cara or Kara? Cara, Kara, Cara, Cara, Caribbean. Like, it's like a, so <laughs> it was like this big joke between us for years about how to pronounce my name. And they just started calling me Miss Lippman. And I was like, last time I was called Miss Lippman, I was a grade school teacher. <laughs> um, but they, <laughs> they made some like joke about my assets and I was like you know my dad listens to your show right <laughs> and they were like sorry Mr. Lipman <laughs> but it was it was really cute and then I think one of them had another meeting that happened to them but they were the first and then there was a, a great guy Doug Baker Australia who like was obsessed and was playing my stuff and um, my friend Wayne from New Zealand was playing my stuff. He sent me a video of him listening to my song, driving his car. It's called Full Throttle. And he was driving, he was like, Full Throttle, driving his vehicle in New Zealand. On the wrong side of the road, by the way, Wayne. Um, but it was just cool that like people liked what I did. And I, I mean, I obviously had amazing musicians. I mean, as you were saying before, there is no dearth of great musicians but like you know after like four four years or so of jamming like I kind of noticed that like people I used to see I stopped seeing sometimes they'd go on the road they would get better and they would kind of graduate and here I'm still kind of doing the same old same old but then I, I wasn't really meeting anybody new but my community was frittering away and so I kind of asked a bunch of them like why don't you jam anymore and they were like well you know it's too far. It's, I gotta pay for alcohol. Like I buy drinks, I buy food. I can't afford it. I pay for parking. You know, the sound sucks. I don't know who, I don't know when I'm playing, who I'm playing with, what we're playing. Then often it's total train wreck. And I was like, what if I solved for all of those problems? Would you come jam? And they were like, hell yeah. So I did. I improved upon the model. You know, I've been doing it for three and a half years straight, you know, two, three, four times a week. Like I knew how to do it. And, you know, I'm an executive assistant now and I, I my job is to organize shit. So right. that's what I did. <laughs> I came up with this very organized sign-in sheet. You make your own band, you know, it's vocals, guitar, guitar, bass, drums, keys, horn, harp, other, you know, right. we've had some crazy, crazy instruments up in there sometimes, <laughs> but Never a triangle. I was always waiting for a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> never did. 
I, and I, <laughs> I have banned the guitar, uh, the keytar. There's no key. You do not bring a keytar to my jam. I'm not. Nope. I don't want no 80s long hair shit. Stay away. That's awesome. Nope. Or accordion. Like, we're good. Yeah. Bill Lane. I think he brought an accordion. I was like, Bill, can you please stick to the C3? Like, really, you can't can't handle it. So, but, and I found that, like, again, with the tagging and the promotion, like, you'd go to any other jam and what would you get out of it? Like, you kind of maybe had a good round. You kind of maybe played with someone, but you didn't know who they were, how to connect with them later. And so the, the function of the social media coverage is multiple fold. It is to document the history. It's to connect other players with each other, to identify players to people who are fans, who are interested in following that person's career. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's for posterity. Yeah. You know, like I look back and like see the people that, you know, were playing with me five and six years ago. And I'm like, damn, like that person just played the right man. You know, that person just went on the hobby. That person just, you know, went to Bolivia on tour or whatever. You know, it's it's crazy what, what people have done. And, you know, we had a couple of TV shows document what we did, one from uh, Taiwan and one from Canada. And, you know, it just sort of like, I don't know, we could never kind of get a sponsor for it you know and my guys were very uh that was the other thing for my guys my house band um it was uh it, it was a good gig for them because people saw them all the time and all of a sudden my entire rhythm section is playing with everyone in town nice <laughs> because they're available and they people know they're good and I always told my guys like if you get a better gig take it like mm-hmm. I can only get you 50 bucks on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever. So just, you know, and I'm not trying to get in your way, you know, for my purposes. Um, but the format, you know, like the house bands, the house bands always play too damn long. No one wants to hear you week after week for an hour. They don't, yeah. they just don't. So I was like, let me, let me fill that with a special guest. Because then, because I, I, I didn't see any of these bars promoting any of these bands that I was listening to. Mm-hmm. Nobody, knew, nobody knew who they were on stage with. Like, holy crap. One night I played with John Marcus on bass at Bourbon Street. He was a dance hall doctor for 20 years. Like, hello it's crazy like, you know these people have these crazy resumes and you don't even think about it like you know the general fan is going to be like you know like oh i really like britney spears but do you know who britney spears bass player is probably right. not but player you know you never know like who who these players are making that sound for that artist right. so um, I thought, why don't I feature these people and tell that, tell the world who they are with my ever burgeoning network of people? Why don't I like shout them out? Because they never get shout out. And it's considered really kind of bad form to, to name drop mm-hmm. on yourself. And I was like, I'm all name drop for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, this person did this, 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 and this. Ha. And people were like, really? Damn. <laughs> you know, so it was like, it took the spotlight off of Kara. I would set the tone for the first 30 minutes, cover for when nobody is there or people are signing in. And gradually I had my own fan base. There's a couple of dear, 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 dear ladies that come, you know, all the time that I just, you know, um, you know, Miss Vicky and um, Christine and Stephanie and Val and Debbie. And like, you know, there's just a bunch of, of ladies that would come out and, you know, watch all of these, you know, they watch my set for me, which was really flattering. Um, and then, um, you know, then the, that was, then that was the other way to bring new musicians in was to have a special guest band. So the special guest band would bring all their people. They'd be like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like I kind of want to come back and, and play. And then all of a sudden, like I noticed that people were getting work out of it. You know, they were talking to each other. They were talking shop, giving technique, you know, advice, and that's why I kind of made it a pro jam because our mission became, you know, our goal is to get working musicians working yeah. and, it, and it works, you know, people like I still have people to this very day, just last night, you know, I have a friend who's 
playing with Warren Treaty now. Um, he was opening for John Legend on tour. You're talking about Kieran, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about my buddy Kieran. Yes. Um, he's he and he literally was like, "Well, it's because of you." And I was like, "What?" Like I don't. I was like, "You showed up with the talent." He's like, "Yeah, but I showed up here not knowing anyone." And like that is what happened to me. I showed up here and unseen, not knowing anyone. So the jam is for new professionals who want to get connected, want to get in the scene. When we were back in June and July, there's this great keyboard player and photographer, Phil Silverberg, who was brand new. And he'd been in town for two months and hadn't done anything or met anyone. And all of a sudden he's getting all this work and playing and you know, it, it took no time at all. I floundered for five years until I made myself make something happen. And that's true for a lot of people. And that's kind of why it's a 10 year town. It's really, it's really a 10 year town because it takes 10 years to establish your character and your integrity. And that's what people want to know. Right. Um, but this is sort of a fast track for people who are like, Hey, I'm thinking about moving to Nashville. People are like, Kara's down. And yeah. I like being that resource, you know, I get called all the time, you know, like I need a bass player. I need a guitar player. I need, can you tell me about so-and-so? Is this a good dude? You know, can you recommend him or her? And, you know, and that was the other thing is I was always the token female of these things. Mm -hmm. And my jam is a safe place for women. I know um, one of my friends and players um, went to another jam and was sexually by the host oh my god so you know that's not gonna happen with me it's not gonna happen with me no and I make sure actually it's pretty funny I'm so sensitive around my players like girlfriends and wives like I want to meet them first and like be their buddy because I want them to know like I'm I'm safe you know I'm not <laughs> trying to back on your guy right you know like I, I'm very like I'm very asexual I'm just like no like all right cat stop Oh, you're <laughs> My cat's under the table making noise. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. Hi, Simon. So yeah, so it's it get, gets working musicians working. It is a safe place for women. It's a soft landing place for new people, um, and it's a community. You know, I mean, sometimes what I find is, and this last time we were back, it was a lot of new people. You know, it's kind of like high school. You have these like classes of, of kids that come through and then they graduate and move on. Then they, they don't need to jam anymore. But a lot of them like to come off the road and reconnect, you know, yeah. and see what's going on in town. And generally, like, I will know because I'm here. It was just cool. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe that, like, you know, bring me back to 2008 when I first got here. I couldn't even go down on Broadway by myself because I was so intimidated. You know, and now it's like, I'm the mama of all these people, <laughs> you know, it's like, I couldn't, like the only, the only person that is more proud of my players are their actual moms and dads. I'm, I, one of my hashtags is both stage mom. <laughs> just, they, and, and also going back to, you know, I'm not a musician, right? I'm a vocalist. So I, I am still in awe that their brains have wrapped around stuff I don't understand, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I, I consider myself well I don't consider myself I just happen to have a high IQ lucky me I'm born that way and you know but that's one thing like I I don't get that math like I don't I don't think of music mathematically I think of it by feel and the right. only way I know how to get that out of my head is to sing it so that's sort of like you know, but John Lennon didn't didn't know theory either, so like we're good. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. You make it. You know, you teach yourself, and because you're in Nashville, you're spoiled to death. Yes, with the quality of music. Like you really can't listen to music from anywhere else. It's just sort of like embarrassing and humiliating. I have to but. agree. One hundred percent, and you know the the I will I will definitely say this when I when I got on stage at your blues jam I was intimidated as shit because there were so many amazing musicians on that stage. But I just like my friend uh, Danielle Aslett was on drums, and I just looked back at her, and we we're just like, "Fuck it, let's go," you know. So it just it was yeah, it, dude. yeah. <laughs> it was you know it was a wonderful experience yeah, and. 
And just being able to like sit and talk with, you know, all the musicians there was really just a very eye opening thing. And, you know, and it was Meg Williams who encouraged me to go. She's like, you need to go to Kara's jam, man. This, oh, this nice. is totally something you I need just to saw do. her CD release last night. Meg's a oh, great Sweet. Yeah. Yes, she is. Yeah, it's a great new album. She's she's gone back to her, her roots of, of songwriting. She Meg is doing Meg. It's yeah. and it's great. So, it's a beautiful yeah, thing. And that's the other thing that I was thinking of is that like in Nashville, all of us gave up everything to come here and do this because there was nothing else for us to do. Um, and so there's like a camaraderie in that. There's a family in that where you have all these like-minded people in one place that are doing this thing together. And, you know, it's maybe because this is who my jam attracts, but everybody's willing to share. You know, for yeah. me, it was Marky Blue. I called her my mama. I still call her my mama because she like she took care of me. She let me sit in with her every single show I went to. She had me sit in with her every single time, and she taught me about um, uh, ICR. Code. I'm gonna forget the acronym. The codes that you, the metadata that you put on your your album, so you can get paid. Huh. I, like I didn't I didn't know about this and she was like did you get your codes and I'm like I don't know what you mean she was like google it and I did and I figured it out and I made them myself and you know like just all of this valuable information you know and just people t- sharing tips about marketing about touring about photography about album covers about you know producers and studios and cost I mean there's so much information that I don't, we have, we have a lot of Berkeley kids, you know, school of music kids, Belmont kids. I don't, I'm not sure that they're taught some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taught a lot of theory and a lot of like play this wild, crazy stuff, snarky puppy, crazy shit that nobody understands, but it's cool. And, <laughs> you know, but I don't know, like the, the street knowledge, you know, how to get the shit done and get it done cheaply. You know, it's, yeah. it's still somewhat of a mystery to me. Like I, the pandemic really took a lot out of me and my job takes a lot out of me. So I haven't done really much for myself lately, but you know, this stuff that I have done is still has cloud. It's still getting spins. That's the other thing is like, oh my God, tell that girl singing into her, my her hairbrush that one day, She's going to go to Turin, Italy and teach people about blues music and play a festival in Italy. Meanwhile, this is, a, this is my favorite story. I'm at my host's house in Italy and he comes, I'm, I'm literally li- living on their porch, which overlooks the Italian Alps, you know, with my little Italian espresso and I'm enjoying my time. He comes bolting out of the house and he's like, care, 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 care. You're in the national newspaper. And I'm like, because like literally in Italy, there's like two newspapers and they are state run. Oh, wow. The government runs them. He's like, you're in the newspaper. And I was like, what? And so like he shows me, it's, it's a picture of myself. It's huge. And it's like, you know, and he's translating and it's like, you know, Kara, this young, young, I was like, I've got them fooled. <laughs> <laughs> young, beautiful. I mean, I guess blues artists, maybe you think of them as being like ancient or something, but you know, um, this young, you know, girl from Nashville and they use some of my bio, you know, the, the blues jam queen and, 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 you know, all this other stuff. And, so, you know, it was this beautiful article in the national newspaper. And I was like, I'm nobody. Don't you know that? I know. <laughs> and it was so humbling and lovely. And I, I went to the show that night at the festival and we're upstairs in the, the green room. They fed us a nice dinner. And this older man comes up to me and he's like, Cara, I'm Eduardo Facio. I wrote the, the newspaper article about you. I had to come see you. You were playing down the street from my house. And I was like, Oh my God, so this guy who wrote this beautiful article about me in the national Italian newspaper that hits the entire country, you know, had come to my show. He's like, I had to see you in person. And I was like, I'm hugging him. I'm like, you're so cute. We still keep in touch. We're friends on Facebook. So hello, Eduardo, you're a doll. You know, my hosts were wonderful. Like they just... 
they they wanted to learn about soul like they wanted to learn that thing that Shirley gave me you know and they're like oh I wish I had your blues and I'm like you got your own blues right yeah now so but I did them the history of where blues music comes from and you know it's great because I just started working at the National Museum of African American Music in, in Nashville and so the, all of that history it took with me and I shared it with them and I was like that was incredible but who knew the straight cat strut stuffed animal concert one day be in Italy <laughs> although I will say it's cool to play in another country but if they don't speak your language forget all your jokes because <laughs> your humor your humor doesn't work over there so I'm like I'm yucking it up and laughing you know I had this joke about my songs called uh uh, my doggy and I was like this is a song about dogs who has a dog <laughs> and everyone's like I don't know the what does she mean dog what is dog <laughs> and I'm like oh you have a dog that's great I'm pretending like someone raised their hand you know I'm like that's great you have a dog and I was like I love dogs just look at my dating history oh <laughs> and like they were like Crickets. I don't understand what you say about that. And I was thinking, like, I don't know. And then I, I think there was another joke. I can't remember what it was. Like, you gotta be like culturally aware of what people find funny in other countries. Right. I, I don't know. It was such a lovely experience. And you know, maybe someday I'll get to go back after all this is over. But yeah, that's that's my story, Katie. Girl, thank you so much for for sharing that and for just just being a light for musicians, you know, down down in Nashville. I mean, you you really give everybody such an amazing place to start. And, you know, and people like Kieran, for example, who's off doing these beautiful things and we're all so super proud of him and like happy about it, you know. I mean, that's yeah. that's a beautiful thing. You you really you bring to life a lot of that camaraderie in Nashville. And that's why I really wanted to have you on this podcast. That's the, I, one of the things that I learned early on when I moved here is that Nashville's superheroes are not the artists. They're right. the people behind the scenes that get shit done, that make things happen for other people that serve the community. And I was like, I don't know if kids, I don't have this big scientific contribution I don't have anything involved in the literary canon no one's going to remember that I put out two albums except for maybe people that I knew personally but you know they're going to remember the impact the ripple effect of this 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 is my legacy yeah this is how I want to be remembered as you know the faux stage mom of all these young musicians like an ounce of direction you know, just a, just a suggestion, just a hope that something can happen for them. Cause that's why they sacrificed it all to move here. Right. So that is still worth coming here. If you want to get your ass kicked, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and spend 10 years getting your ass kicked before things start to take off. But, you know, hopefully we can, you know, advance that a little bit. Like you, you've got to constantly reinvent yourself. You, you got to go and support other people to be inspired. Yeah. Like I just discovered a new song by Jenny Cheater, who's a friend of Meg's. They yep. perform a lot together. She's beautiful. She's such a beautiful girl, but her lyrics, she's got this song. I think, I think it came out about six months ago, but it's a duet about how like uh, people walk away from each other. And I posted on Facebook. I'm like, this is a gem. Yeah. Like it inspired me. I was like, like, and Meg last night too with her new music, her doing her. So Kara has to get back to doing Kara, but I don't get inspired like that unless I go out, unless I'm around it, you right. know? And that's the beauty of really living in Nashville is once you've, you've reached the stage of touring with Smitty for three years, there's something else beyond that. You know, you, yeah. you can do something else. There's always new things. The opportunities are there. You just have to show up. You just have to say yes and go. Best advice you could give anybody by far. Just do it. 
Well, Kara, thank you so much for for coming onto the show and imparting your wisdom. And for everybody that's listening, I'm going to make sure that there are links in the show notes for you so that you know when to find Kara and her blues jam. Even if you're just stopping by Nashville and just hanging out, you need to go to this Pluro Blues Jam because it's amazing. It'll blow your mind. The talent is just unreal. So thank you so much, Kara, for everything. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Katie. It was great having you listen to everything that I said. (laughs) (laughs) I just talked your ear off for an hour. I love it. I love it. That's what this is for. You're trapped by his crocodile eyes Ain't no escaping your I don't know about you, but I do not want to meet this crocodile man, whoever the, whoever he is. Caribbean Blue, thank you, my sweet, sweet friend, for coming on the show, for imparting your knowledge to other musicians, and for creating a space for them to network and get work, and also just make new friends when they come to town. That's That's the most beautiful thing and the most beautiful gift and the most beautiful legacy that you could ever leave. So, again... Thank you. Make sure that you check out Kara's music, Kara Being Blue. Links are in the show notes. Go download her album, Grit. And when you go to Nashville, stop by her Pearl Blues Jam and give her some love. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>